Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Titans win again. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Balls fall to Georgia. We'll hit that coming up as well. Titans get to 8-2 and two after yesterday's victory over the New Orleans Saints. And uh, they were the benefit of some calls going their way. Benefit of Alvin Kamara not playing in this game. But also the benefit of some well-timed play calls and execution by players uh, that we hit up earlier in the show. Uh, a string of plays where they get a touchdown from Tannehill after the roughing the passer call and then the defensive pass interference. Drive right before halftime. The Titans get two sacks from Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry. They keep the Saints off the board and then start the second half with role players playing a big role on special teams, recovering a fumble in the um, opening kick of the third quarter, going down and getting a touchdown to Michael Pruitt. Also, Marcus Johnson with the big 50-yard reception that set up the first points of the game. That was the Marcus Johnson that uh, that I was telling you guys about during training camp. Finally really showed himself. Here's here's, I'm I'm not going to be the wet blanket here on Marcus Johnson. The Marcus Johnson talk reminds me a lot of Anthony Ferkser of last year. Anthony Ferkser had one massive game, and now everyone at the time, everyone's talking about Ferkser being a compliment to John U. Smith and how everything's going to be fine. They need Marcus Johnson to be the number two because they didn't make a move to go get anybody at the trade deadline. They, they had Josh Reynolds who would rather play for a winless Lions team than play for the Tennessee Titans at the time seven and two. They need Marcus Johnson to be the guy because Julio ends up going to injured reserve after they let Josh Reynolds go. So they've got to hit on this guy. They've got to yep. scheme him open. They did yesterday, but he's got to be more than just a flash in the pan. They And, and uh, to, to their credit... He was the guy yesterday. A.J. Brown had one catch, and they still won. They didn't have Derrick Henry. They still won. Julio Jones to IR. Still won. Taylor Lewan's cramping up again. Still won. I mean, they, they were able to get points when it mattered most, and they took advantage of some costly mistakes by the Saints defense. Yeah, it'd be great if it was Mar- Marcus Johnson weekly. It might not be. You know, they might shuffle through whoever they scheme it up for. That's great. And they did really well with the tight ends kind of clogging up some of the room, rubs and picks and all of that stuff. It was well-schemed, the stuff they did. The screen, uh, I, I'm not defending Deontay For- Foreman on the running end. He, he didn't do great. It was great. But the, the schemed-up screen with the fake to A.J. Brown on the one side and throw back to him with a caravan in front of him, would that go for 39 yards? That's another, in a game like this where yards were hard to come come by, that's a field-flipping play uh, that was really well-designed and effective. It wasn't a huge play, but a nice trick play where they snap it to Peterson and they uh, pitch it to Tannehill, who hits A.J. Brown. Could have been a bigger play uh, had he been able to keep his feet on on the throw. Um, Yeah, I mean, there were some nice creative things. I'll say this, and, and 
Hutton, you said you don't want to be the wet blanket on Marcus Johnson. I don't want to be the wet blanket on any win in the league, no. especially yeah. as you're figuring things out without Derrick Henry. But that was the least impressive of this stretch. Yeah, a lot of good fortune. For the Titans. The penalty, the missed fortune. extra no, points. not just that. I mean, they beat Trevor Simeon, yeah. who couldn't even be the backup for the Titans The, the COVID ago. quarterback for the Titans. All fair. COVID quarterback for the Titans. No Alvin Kamara. Clearly their best player on offense. I mean, there were a lot of things that went the Titans' way to win the game by two points. Oh, by the way, the two points from two missed extra points by the Saints. So... I know the player said this after the game. Taylor Wan, I saw especially. You know, there are a lot of things that happened on that football field that weren't good for the Titans. We got we to fix those. That's the right mindset coming out of this game. Titans weren't particularly good yesterday. Um, and they, got, they were lucky about an awful uh, 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 call on the, the right. roughing the passer. And then the injuries for the Saints. And look, I'm, this is not, you know, you don't sit there and throw a pity party for the Saints and their injuries when you're dealing with the lack of Derrick Henry. But the Titans were very fortunate yesterday. I, I want to start to see now some more of this is what we can expect from the Titans offensively now that there's no Derrick Henry. I still feel like this was round two of let's do some different things, get a different mix of guys in there, change up the percentages of carries with the running backs and see what we have. And no real... No real momentum towards a solution of what they're going to do offensively. Well, to that, I'd say you'd hope you'd see some of that solution against Houston Sunday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Houston stinks, even though they're well-rested. Then you've got a trip to New England that I think will just be tough. And then they finally get the bye week. Then you come back, and you've got Jacksonville, another the game. The schedule is they're, a they're, huge they're benefit. Tougher, but the schedule is a huge benefit. they got to get to this bye week, you know. Vrabel's good at reforming things during bye week. And uh, so you got Houston, New England. I'd take one and one there in a heartbeat and get to the bye week. Well, this is a great opportunity uh, to get right this week with the Texans uh, offensively. And I really think the Saints are good on defense. So that, you know, that obviously was a big part of this game. But, but they can- I was hoping to see a little bit more coming out of it thinking – Okay, this is what they're attempting to do now. And what I saw was they got creative on a, on a few play calls that hit big, and that was the difference in the they game. They could win again defensively against that a team like the Houston, though. No doubt. I mean, it, to their credit, they're, they are now 7-0 to against playoff teams from a year ago. Just crazy. And even while they figure it out, I think everyone would admit that they're figuring things out without Henry. They're still winning while they're doing that. Um, so it's it's masking some of the issues that they're going through, but more power to them for being able to do it uh, because special teams stepped up yesterday, and then defensively, they did not make those mental errors that New Orleans did. New Orleans was in the same type of situation the Titans were yesterday, and the defense let Tannehill and that offense off the hook. The Titans' defense didn't do the same for a bad quarterback in Trevor Simeon. It's the difference in the game, and... One kicker is much better than the other one right yeah. now. And the special teams unit made one big play that, that, uh, that you know, you could easily call the difference in the game. Also, I, I do want to give credit to A.J. Brown. One catch is not really giving him enough uh, on what he did on the day. The way he crawled to the football on the loose ball from Tannehill. That was big. Tannehill not only First threw down. a pick that came back, he fumbled the football that A.J. Brown busted it to go get the recovery on. Um, and that gave him a first down. You're right. It was a, a huge, huge play on a drive 
for Tennessee that would have been an extremely short field for New Orleans had they recovered it. That's a good play, but he needs to show up. And I, he didn't oh, have Lattimore. Yeah. He didn't have Lattimore the whole game. Right. But Ramsey, Lattimore, back-to-back, not, not a lot. Has he done enough against big-time corners in his career is becoming a fair question based on his resume. And I think he knows that, but based on the way he reacted to the Ramsey stuff and how downtrodden he was after the Rams game two weeks ago, when everybody came into that room and was upbeat and he was really low key and kind of sad, not, not that he wasn't taking the win, the team win and everything, but he took the personal element of it personally. Um, they need better from him. Week 10 was their closest win of the season. Again, a win's a win, and Tannehill stood up there yesterday and said he's not going to make excuses for a win. No, no reason to. Don't. Uh, but we can, we can analyze what happened here and look at what they can correct as they figure out some things for the postseason because that's where they're headed. Week 10, closest win of the season. It was their worst third-down offense of the season. They were 3 for 12. At one point, the two teams were a combined 1 of 10 to start yeah, this game. It was just game. back. It was a punt fest. Um and this is also their lowest rushing total, lowest rushing total of the season. Very defensive day. That's fine because they're again the the defense is now the identity of this team. Believe it or not, which is crazy. Well, speaking of defensive, getting very defensive in the YouTube chat right now. Well, have at because it. we were saying about Trevor Simeon not being a good quarterback and He's getting a, a lot of. Well, he threw for three hundred yards and two TDs. I don't care what he didn't do for the Titans. He was really good yesterday against Titans. He's not a good quarterback. That he might have had a decent of, game. That is more of the what the game dictated combined with, quite frankly, not the best defensive effort from the Titans against a bad quarterback. Not in the second half. And also, Sean Payton is a superior offensive head coach. He showed that in the win with, with Simeon when he had to enter well, the game. I mean, that's that's some of this also. There's also this, was, this was not a great Titans performance. The good news is they won. They but, continue to find ways to win, even when they're not at their best. But are there cracks in in the the overall structure here? I yes. know I know we're looking at the eight and two, like the, the, the yeah. Chris. Oh, let's go defense. The Chris Jackson mirage, like all this talk about how he's holding his own and averaging you know four and a half yards per target or whatever. Well, he was terrific in L.A. Well, a, a great offensive mind picked him apart yesterday in man coverage. They played way too much man yesterday. For my liking, and we knew exactly where they were going. They're going I, at Chris Jackson. I don't really understand how he was there as much as he was. I think he played about a third of the snaps with Fulton back, and Jenkins doesn't really leave the field, and Molden playing nickel. Jackson played a surprising amount for me, but I don't think uh, Los Angeles was a mirage. He played very, very well in Los Angeles, so he's just too up and down. That's that's the thing about a guy like that. Well, Rashawn Evans also played well against the Bills. Is he good? No. But, I okay. mean, I think Chris Jackson has held his it's own like this Trevor year. Si- if, I was, <laughs> if, I, if I was picking the, the Titans cornerback okay. problems, I wouldn't start with Chris Jackson. There are guys uh, well, the, worse two and less straight than weeks, Chris we have seen two offensive play callers that are considered the best in the NFL go right at him. And that's going to continue. Well, it didn't work for Sean McVay. They're going right at him for a reason. Well, the, the, the touchdown to Callaway... In the end, bad, too easy. Was that all, Chris Jackson? Yeah, I mean Jenkins was in the neighborhood, I think, but he wasn't. It was an odd-looking play because Jenkins looked like he may have had some sort of assignment on that side, also, and they both sort of let up. 
and it was just an easy touchdown for Callaway. Way too easy. Jackson and was really Jenkins bad. Barely, yes, but made the play on Ingram on the two-point conversion where he came over and knocked well, Let's it go away. back to Simeon for a second. I, I don't like this thing where a Titans fan is going to turn him into a good player because the Titans didn't hold his numbers down. That make, That's a question about the Titans' defense, not about Simeon. Simeon's well-established as not being a very good NFL quarterback. Yesterday doesn't somehow make him a better-than-that NFL quarterback. That's ridiculous. We know what Trevor Simeon is. He could have thrown for 800 yards yesterday. It wouldn't have changed what Trevor Simeon is. It would have given him a good day. Well, I'm loving the the, the YouTube chat getting rolling this way because it really uh, gives us some feedback live as we're talking about this. But um, Kay on, on the YouTube chat said, no one said give him a $30 million contract, but he was the best quarterback yesterday. My immediate response to that is, that says more about Ryan Tannehill than Trevor Simeon. I don't know. Maybe I'm way too negative about things the way I look at it. But if you're telling me Trevor Simeon was head and shoulders the best quarterback on the field, my immediate question is, then why the hell is Ryan Tannehill not a lot better than him? I don't know. Here it says That's just a weird thing for a Titans fan to say to be excited about. Here it says Ryan Tannehill had a 105.9 rating and Simeon had a 104.8 rating. Now that's not dramatically different, but it certainly doesn't suggest to me that Trevor Simeon was head and shoulders Better than Tannehill, who also ran for a touchdown. You guys are you debate the, the, the chat's debating on two quarterbacks that didn't play all that well yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> in a game that no one's going to be discussing. Uh, no, the next question, Chad, was that Sean Payton completing those passes or Trevor Simeon yesterday? <laughs> yeah, let's. Shut I mean, down look, the, the, the biggest plays of the game he those those were Sean Payton designed the 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 wheel route to Ingram, wheel route, and on then the, the big throw, one, then the touchdown to, to Callaway. Callaway. Two, but two great throws. Yeah. He Simeon. made plays. He made plays. Uh, I'm not begrudging Simeon, but we know what Simeon is in the context you dare of talk the NFL. About my well, the other one was the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got to shave. Yeah, Hutton over here is being uh, the most negative about Simeon. It's his twin. He's not good. It's his brother. He's not good. Well, the first touchdown, too, was way too easy, where they faked the, the run, faked the run block, and then just had a simple out route that was wide open. I, with all due that respect to Trevor Jenkins. Simeon, that was on Jenkins. His twin Jonathan Hutton could have made that touchdown pass. <laughs> Jenkins, there was bit. no pressure. He dropped back and he threw it. And if you're watching right now, you can see you have more of a fighting posture there. That looks like a taunting posture that would get a flag in the NFL right now. Yeah, I'm looking at the sideline, and uh, Tony Corrente is about to hip check me. Yeah. By the way, these guys are way too close to the same size. Also, <laughs> yeah. I'm watching this thing. One guy in this shot. Is, is an NFL quarterback. The other guy is Jonathan Hutton. Is John Hutton. And they're the same size. That's a problem. No offense, Hutton, but that's no, a problem for Trevor okay. Simeon. Fine. I think Trevor Simeon would have fallen harder <laughs> when Delaney Walker hit him than you did. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't end up in a sling. Got you, yeah, you got right back up and I found did. your pencil. Got right back Trevor up. Where's Simeon, your pencil? Trevor Simeon would have been in a, in a second sling had he taken that hit on the sideline. Yeah. He probably would receive less uh, text than I did, though, for my well-being. Yeah. Second game in a row, the people, pass people rush. People expected me to be dead. Second yes. game in a row, the pass rush existed for only one half in terms of finishing, but finished very well in the half that it did finish. Well, that, that's, that's an recurring issue. How many sacks do they have right now, total, as a team? Uh, I want to say 27. It's 20, close to 27. 26 or 27. 18 of them have been the first half. Yeah. People are adjusting, getting it out quicker, and maybe they're running out of steam because the depth, particularly at outside linebacker, yesterday, for a time, they were down to one 
functional outside linebacker with Autry working the as Titans the other. The Titans have a plus 63-point differential in the first half this season. They're plus five in the second half. Like that, the defense, and I'm not talking about yards here. I'm talking about points. Yards, there's a lot of discussion about how the defense is giving up yards. A lot of the, like, going yeah, to L.A. In the second half of the league chunk, do not matter. Some chunk uh, yardage at the end of the game uh, against Kansas City. I'm trying to go through all these. Buffalo had some. Uh, that was a close game. Uh, L.A., we saw it. We saw it yesterday some. Um, I, I just, I don't look at the yards and, and say, okay, the yards in the second half are this versus what they're giving up in the first Third half. Third down and points are the things that matter Well, most. and then the, the way they're disruptive against the quarterback, they get after the quarterback routinely in the first half, and then that really dives off. And I, I'm not trying to say that they're not extremely uh, head and shoulders better than where they were last year. They're excellent, excellent on the pass rush. It is interesting. But it's 18 to 8. 18 first half sacks, eight in the second half. That's a little bit of a concern. I, I wonder if part of it's tired. That Landry, they always say, doesn't get tired. Landry they've never got, leaves. They've got the IVs field. on the sideline. I'd like to that. look specifically at Landry, who, by the way, is finally the Titans have a 10 sack guy. First time since 2016, Brian Arakpo had 10 and a half. Landry's going to finish with a lot more than that. It's not, I don't think it's tired either. I, I looked up the. Uh, the number, it was 20 to 12 yesterday in the three minutes left in the third quarter. Number of plays, 38 snaps for the Titans uh, offense. The, the defense have been on the field for 44 snaps uh, almost at the end of the third quarter. So not dramatically different. No. No, it's not So what do you think tired. it is? I, I, People I figuring think, them out? I, I think they figured out, uh, I think these coordinators fill out these defensive tendencies a bit. And that yesterday it was... To me, it was the man coverage. They were going right at Jackson. And the, the will route to Jayon just took a one side step. Um, the one to the left. Yeah, that was a, that was a great, great play. And uh, both coordinators um, did some really nice things yesterday. Look, the success. Titan, of- the Titans. The Titans are in position though at eight and two to point at us and laugh for having oh, this yeah. discussion. But again, you're, you're trying to right some wrongs. While you also win, they're doing that. I can assure you that they're discussing some of the same things internally that we're bringing up and not just having a parade every week like media in Nashville will be doing on a weekly basis on a Monday. The success of that wheel route against Jayon with Mark Ingram earlier in the game prompted Sean Payton to go back to it on the two-point conversion when the Titans defended it well. and On it the didn't other work. side, yeah. So there's kind of a silver lining to that because well, it didn't work the second time. He couldn't. He he didn't break away from it enough there. But what would they have called if Troutman didn't jump yeah, off sides? Something a lot better. Probably didn't have to go back to the same. Probably play. involving Taysom Hill running. Coming up, Jeffrey Simmons is outstanding. Harold Landry outstanding. We'll we'll hand out some accolades with that. We will also discuss the depth of this team and what Vrabel pointed out today in his media availability about an NFL record that's about to be set right here in Nashville. Straight ahead on Outkick 360. Chad did it again. Whoops, he did it again. He did it again. He devoured some delicious quesadillas from the taco shop here at 6th and Peabody during the commercial break. Guys got speed. Outkick 360 rolls on. 6th and Peabody includes White Duck Taco, uh, Daddy's Dogs, also Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. If my wife is watching... 
Uh, that child chicken quesadilla was only two dollars and fifty cents because we're saving money, and she'll be, I'll be hearing about it from her if it was over seven dollars. Titans people, I have a bad development. Two dollars and fifty cents, baby. That's I have delicious. a bad development. Hip check, Tony Corrente is refereeing Texans Titans this weekend. So we go from Boger oh. to Corrente. That's a double play. I mean, it looked personal between Corrente and old Cassius. <laughs> In that moment. <laughs> Cassius Clank? Cassius Marsh. I mean, that guy looks like he's in a 90s grunge band, by the way. The, just the whole look. You know what? He had a down pat. I'm betting, uh, I'm betting Tony Corrente wants nothing to do with uh, the, some of these Titans players on defense. There's not going to be any hip checking going on by this guy. You think he's not going to hip check uh, Jeffrey Simmons? I doubt that. I doubt, there's, I doubt there's many players that he wants to run into out there. What does that say about Cassius Marsh that Tony Corrente is willing to run into? I, I would guess what he's probably 60, 60 years old. Yeah. Just just gauging here. That a six year old man wants to hip check an NFL linebacker. <laughs> Think about that. Well, what, what message the the mental like the mental state of Corrente to do that to an NFL linebacker? Well, if I and if I'm Cassius, I'm thinking, <laughs> why me? Right? <laughs> Does, know, is there something about me that looks like, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to use the word, but that looks like that? Yeah. That you thought you should mess with me on this? I, I would not. Did Tony Corinthi's daughter get really into Nirvana back in the day? So he hates anyone that looks like they were in a grunge band? I mean, what, what was the reasoning for the personal look from Corinthi and the hip check? Paul, the number 82 reminds you of what? Delaney it, Walker. Well, 82, that's true. Um, listen, the Titans have played a remarkable number of people this year. We have not realized just how high and remarkable a number. We had a discussion earlier today, the Titans press corps with Mike Vrabel, about this very number. If I had a concern, what would I, who would I tell? Who would I, I tell Stretch or who would I tell? I don't know. Like... <laughs> I just, you know, when, when you don't panic, you know, there's a tendency for everybody else not to panic. So um, find out who we have. Find 48 guys that will try to help us win on, on Sunday, whether they're on the practice squad, whether they're on the active roster, and uh, put a plan in who it is, what do they know, what can they do, and, uh, and compete to win a football game. Do you know the record? That. Do you know the record? The, I do know the record. It's 84. The record is 84 for the season? Yeah, that's what I told the, seat, the uh, <laughs> Sunday night crew. We were in L.A. and I think uh, Chris Collinsworth said, you guys are at 77 and the record is 84. And I said, you might want to take the over. <laughs> Just a hunch. Is that the fun part of the job? Titans are at 82 right now. The record for a full season is 84. 82, and they just released two players, right? They just released two players today, uh, Amani Bledsoe and uh, Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart. <laughs> They're going for that record. They are Might going well. for that record. Might as well set it this week. They will. I mean, they'll hit 100 at this They pace. could. Yeah. That's remarkable. Now, they were at 80. I love that they he were, knows the record. Well, they so. were at 80 going into Saturday, uh, into Sunday. Okay. And the next closest teams were at 69, the Colts and the Panthers. The Titans sent me this. The most total game participants 
in a season from 1993 to 2021. San Francisco in 2020 and Miami in 2019, each with 84. Now, these are high numbers recently because of the COVID 16-man practice squad where you could bring elevate, elevate people and stuff. Philadelphia in 2020 had 81. Jacksonville in 2020 had 81. New York Jets in 2020 had 80. What do all these teams have in common? I don't think any of them were any good. Well, let, let's start with San Francisco, who ha- holds the record. Um, they, they were crippled by week three of last season. And they were terrible they lost, as a result They of lost their, their top pass rushers. They lost Garoppolo. I'm trying to go through like they they were just decimated. Their their top two running backs were gone. Sherman was on that team, right? He Sherman was, was on that team. He played in five games last year. Um, the Titans yeah. are they're, they're on that same two. pace. Yeah, yeah, they're on that same pace, and they've done it now that they've won now two games without Henry, and they're doing it by being opportunistic in all phases. It is. It's remarkable. Complimentary football is thrown out a lot as a cliche, just answer in by by you know post game press conferences, pre game press conferences, whatever. Titans are a great example of how to do it. They they did that yesterday, and that's why they won. And they're not having these stupid penalties um, that give that let a bad team off the hook. I, I brought this up to Chad earlier. We've all we've all seen this uh, coaching on some level high school team or a, a, a club team, a high school age, or maybe a little younger where the coach, he just wills the team to win because he's got a couple good guys. And then he knows how to kind of, I don't want to say game the system, but really what he does is game the system. Got a really smart team, knows how to do exactly what he says. Say a baseball team can, he can see immediately in the first inning that the umpire is calling low strikes. And he's got pitchers who are good enough to throw low strikes. And he will win that game that day uh, eating low strikes all day long. While the other manager complains the whole thing that the guy's calling low strikes. And a couple things he'll just manipulate that way. And the guy will win every damn game while everybody else is like, how does this guy just win every weekend? He comes here and kicks our ass. Well, Mike Vrabel is kind of doing that right now at the NFL level with no matter who he has in the lineup. Now, certainly if Tannehill was gone, he'd be dead and all of that stuff. But he's lost Henry. He was without his best cornerback for four games. I mean, there are significant people who have been missing from the lineup and significant stuff that has gone on, and they are consistently finding ways to win anyway. Well, they're getting that way on defense where there's a consistency to it. You know, there's a consistent way of playing. Guys, you way of doing things. But going with your analogy there, Paul, it's also very different because go back in this winning streak and look at how they've won. Think about the way the Bills game unfolded compared to the Kansas City game, compared yeah. to the Rams game, compared to the Colts game where they fall behind 14 nothing. Compared to, it's very different how they're doing it. They're just finding a way, but it's different ways. One week, it's the defense stepping up big. The next week, it's an unlikely uh, player on offense that's doing something. But now, without Derrick Henry, I mean, it's got to, we've got to now move into this next phase of, here's what the Titans are trying to do. Here's who's stepping up. Here are the go-to guys. And not just a team that's totally reliant on defense. And he said in that video, as all of these guys have come, there's like zero panic. 
And so when they see zero panic from the coaches, the coaches aren't like, oh, crap, the secondary is loaded with a bunch of guys that we don't know. We just got Greg Maben from Arizona's practice squad, and we might have to start that guy this week. And they don't see any shakiness in the coaching staff. The coaching staff is like, yeah, Greg Maben's going to play 100% of the snaps this week, and we're going to be fine. And they actually believe it. And then it comes to fruition. Well, so they've, they've had less than 70 yards rushing the last two weeks. Can they continue to do that and, and keep up with what they're doing in the win column? Well, they can against Houston and Jacksonville and Houston again and Miami. Well, I don't know about Pittsburgh and New England, but if they lose those two games, they're still going to be in contention for the number one seed. Yeah, and I think that's a chance not to play one less game without Henry and to get one game closer to Henry coming back. Which I'm not. I don't know if he's coming back or not. Like I, I, I just referenced this though for the possibility of it. We were, I know we, we threw this around a bit last week, but you've got Schefter and Rappaport saying Dueling. two different things. Yeah. Um, they're clearly hearing two completely different things from their sources on this. But to get the one seed this year with as banged up as the roster is, to play one less game, uh, on on top of the fact that you're you may have the chance of getting Henry back the week after that. We saw the just the, the mental boost of a bad team in Carolina and what the the influx of Cam Newton meant for it. Who threw it past. And we also saw what a, a, a running back named Derrick Henry with a broken foot and the respect factor that he required by the Indianapolis Colts despite breaking his foot uh, and not being all that effective. Uh, what he requires in the box. Although, it'll be a, there there were snaps yesterday where there were nine men in the box against Deontay Foreman and Adrian Peterson. Well, they saw that A.J. Brown wasn't doing anything, yeah. and they weren't thinking, you know, Mar- Marcus Johnson was dictating a, a double, and reasonably so. Right. Um, look, I think you hit on an interesting thing there, and we'll have plenty of time to revisit this. When he's back, if he's back, how much of it is a juice factor? How much of it is a, a threat factor? How much of it is a production factor? Right. It may not matter what that equation is, or we may not be figuring it out until a quarter into the game or whatever. But his presence is certainly a, a, a his mere presence will be a big part of it until somebody can can figure out all of those things. Formula to why they've been able to do what they're doing in a, just bare bones here. Tannehill needs to protect the football, and he. He did and didn't yesterday. I mean, Outside of the call. Didn't turn it over. Fumbled. Fumbled, threw a pick that was called back. All good. Does I mean, they ended up scoring. Um, and then the defense, where they have been really good, is matching with how, how bad the offense is to start games. The defense is actually really good. They're fifth in the league in first quarter yardage allowed. So it is a slow grind as – teams come in and play the Titans defense. Meanwhile, the Titans offense all is also very slow to get started. I think they had three total yards over the first two possessions yesterday. Uh, that's got to change. I, faster starts. And again, I'll, I'll keep, continue to reference this. The other benefit that the Titans have is they're playing either with a lead or they're playing very close to grabbing the league. They're, they're not falling down by a couple of possessions because of a bad turnover or because of a penalty that gives free points or whatever it might be, and that allows you to stick within your game plan and your offense. Four punts and a field goal in the first five possessions of of this game. You had pointed out the lack of uh, chunk plays. 
So the Titans now in five games uh, have given up um, now the long plays, 46 yards. Before yesterday, it was 38 yards. So yesterday they gave up a 37 and a 46. But they are really minimizing those chunk plays. Minimize the chunk plays, keep the offense on the field, give yourself a chance to rush the pass. Changes the formula entirely from earlier in the year where we saw the big chunk plays. You didn't have time to, to stay on the field and rush the passer. So these cornerbacks, even uh, you know Chris Jackson kind of cracked it yesterday. But yeah. before that, the cornerbacks, the no-name cornerbacks, were playing well enough that even when they were getting beat, it was for 20 instead of 50, and that was giving the pass rush a chance. Paul, we, we discussed this during the Jets week. I'll reference it again. This is a take-care-of-your-business type week against Houston. I, I, I mean, they, they, they not only can't they, they won't lose this game. Houston just doesn't have. I mean, I think Zach Wilson, you know, surprised them. He got out of the pocket. He, he made some throws. Jets have a little bit of talent up front on defense. Houston's roster isn't as good as the Jets, is it? I mean, the Jets roster sucks. <laughs> They've beaten a couple of teams now. <laughs> Houston's got no verve to them, to me. They're very bad. This is this is get right week. This is this is get right week for the Titans. Uh, it may about to be get right uh, uh, career for Manny Diaz because as of right now, Miami has just fired their athletic director. Blake James is out at Miami after their loss to Florida State, which means a new AD will be hiring a new football coach. Sure, the new AD will be firing Manny Diaz, and Miami will be open also. And now you look around. Look at some of the jobs open. Washington. As we predicted last week, fired Jimmy Lake. He's out. So Washington, uh, UCLA, LSU, I mean, uh, UCLA USC. possibly, which Chip Kelly is a possibility. USC. Miami, USC, some pretty big names in college of, football. Florida, a lot of assistant coaches about to be head coaches. Florida, I don't think you. There are no all the all these fan bases are going to discuss splash hires. There are no more splash hires. Who would be a Gruden would be a splash hire who. Who is the who's winning a, the press conference tour? You're going to have a bunch of Jimmy Lakes hired. Well, James well, Franklin will win a press conference. Here's, yeah, here, here's two different levels of uh, just saying screw it and hiring who you want <laughs> for very different reasons. John Gruden or Art Bryles is your splash hire. Yeah. And both of them would be in administration having to say, yeah, get over it. How old's Art Bryles now, we think? He's in his 60s. Art Bryles made Baylor football. I mean, he's he's done a lot of wrong. Don't don't, don't get me Bryles. wrong. You I think hire I think Bryles. he's probably toxic from that standpoint, but he was being mentioned at Texas Tech. Yeah. When they had an opening. I mean, he, his name is starting to get out there now with with jobs. He didn't mention, but they quickly unmentioned him as soon as John Gruden is suing the NFL, right. so he knows he's not going to coach the NFL ever again. But I would not be shocked if someone wanted to go I mean, Jim Mora Jr. just got hired by UConn. And that's totally a name move. That's totally. the only reason you do that. Nothing else about Jim Mora Jr. makes sense at UConn other than he's a name people know. He got huge press right out of the gate. He had five questions with Peter King. And, I saw and, that, uh, yep. His column. So, I mean, look, someone, I posed that question on, on Twitter and you know, Florida fans just lit me up over John Gruden in Florida. I'm thinking, someone's going to hire the guy. Because they're well, going to want to make a spot. Did you hear year. from any of them Saturday it may, night? It may, you're right. It may, it may take a year. He's probably too toxic right now. But eventually, if he wants to coach again, 
Did, Some college program will hire them. Did they? Did you hear from any of them after Saturday night? Halftime no. Saturday. Night. I didn't check back in with them. <laughs> no. Halftime. I should have checked in at forty-two twenty-eight Sanford on early Saturday afternoon. Right and said, so, uh, John Gruden, your thoughts? <laughs> your thoughts on John Gruden now? Look a little better. All of a sudden, you know, those emails weren't so bad. <laughs> That's what they're saying to each other. Well, Let's you, give this guy a chance. Everybody makes mistakes. Well, you know, uh, th- this means Manny Diaz. And Dan Mullen will both be coaching on Nick Saban's staff next year. <laughs> analyst. Got a couple of good analysts coming away. Manny yeah, he's Diaz got on a defense. lot of candidates for analysts. Dan Mullen on offense. Well, Bill O'Brien. I mean, the, we can go through names. Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's going to get a job, probably. He should get one of these jobs. But outside of that, Hunt, it's, it's names. Alex, like, think it's, about it's Bill Alex, <laughs> it's Alex Grinch is, yeah, as right, your right, defensive right. coordinator at Oklahoma will get a job. Hutton uh, predicting to be completely unexcited by the hiring cycle no i i'm I'm okay with it but like i i I, there's at every turn there is this influx of oh we're going to go get the next big name okay here's here's a name there's not to me that the guy's not here's a name hugh freeze yeah but hugh freeze hugh freeze would be great in Uh, certain situations hugh freeze at lsu would be great he would be great yeah but a lot of people at lsu would win hugh freeze would put up some points like they have not seen since Joe Burrow, <laughs> since two years, <laughs> all, all, since they won the national all title two years, two years ago. But before that, that was a very different LSU team because they've always struggled at quarterback and and offensively. Hugh Freeze would definitely change that. But you know, there's also Billy Napier. I'm trying to think of head coaches at the at, at a lower level, non-power five, that's bound to take a job at some point. Billy Napier at Louisiana. Jamie Chadwell at Coastal well, Carolina. You're playing right into Hutton's thing. Nobody's no, excited uh, about Chad's Napier. Chad's not disagreeing with me, though. I mean, no, I, I don't disagree. I mean, it, but there's so few. Like, I always think about the perfect time and place was Urban Meyer mm-hmm. having an undefeated year at Utah when they were Mountain West before they moved to the Pac-12. And then Florida came open with Ron Zook in the end of that. And then he goes to Florida, I think, in 2005. It would be the, it would be the way we were talking about Fickle had... You know, right? I mean, that, yeah. it's the same thing. 2005, he goes to Florida. It was just perfect. He just walked right in, and two years later, they won a national title. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. We uh, we discussed Josh Heupel and the Vols moving forward after what what we thought would happen against Georgia happened, and now a chance to finish strong. Next yeah, on Outkick losing. 360. Tennessee Volunteers, they have Vandy coming up in a couple of weeks. South Alabama's next on the schedule. Chad, we're on to the bowl game. It's time to get right. Uh, it's, time, <laughs> it's time to get right week for both the Titans and the Vols. Uh, they should absolutely take care of business these next two yeah. weeks, and uh, they need to. And this is, um, I saw Brent Hubbs oh, write about great. this, that this is, he said, I'm not, it's really going out of limb to say they're going to win the next two and get to seven and five, but I'm going to take it a step further and say they're going to score 50 plus the next two weeks against South Alabama Hundo and Vandy. Um, so it's name also, your score Saturday. It's a time, and, and Brent Hubbs wrote that you need to get some depth mm. defensively. You know, maybe try out some guys a little bit quicker in these games if you get two, three score lead. Uh, instead of you know holding on to the guys who have played all season because they're going to have to develop that at some point. So coming out of the Georgia game, um, I, I really thought, first off, it was a bad game for Hendon Hooker not to play his best. Let's put that out there. He was not his best in, in that game. And I think the, uh, the fumble at the end that led to him getting taken out of the game, I wouldn't say he was benched. The game was out of hand. 
and they put in Joe Milton, who had that last touchdown drive, sort of indicative of the game. I thought he was, and I understand this against Georgia, I thought he felt some phantom pressure at times. There were times where he took off out of the pocket and he could have stayed in the pocket, that he actually had decent protection and he was feeling some pressure and moved a little too quickly. Um, the Ramel Keaton spoke to the media today. I thought that was a great pass. I thought Ramel Keaton turned around too quickly to find the ball and it slowed him down when it went just through his hands. He said that today. He said, I need to, he said, I need to pound out two more steps on that run before turning around then I'll probably catch it in stride for a touchdown. Um, look, I, I don't think everything was bad on Saturday for Tennessee. I think they acquitted themselves pretty well in some areas. You know, having more yards and more points than anyone else on Georgia, not a bad thing. That's also a game that shows the divide between the great and between Tennessee, which this year, Tennessee, just a good team. You know, not, not much more than that. It's a great season for Josh Heupel in year one, as long as they win these last two. But they're just a good team, and it shows that separation when you see Georgia on the field against them. And I think that that was loud and clear on Saturday afternoon and evening in Neyland Stadium. Can we? Can I quickly describe what what is becoming the best feud in football right now? Of course, we well, you know that we know you know we love a good feud. Rex Ryan is for some reason going at Robert Sala <laughs> with the Jets uh, in an interview with Holds ESPN Radio. Down. Rex Ryan quote. This guy is supposed to be a defensive guru. I take it personal. Everything I heard was this. <laughs> everything you were supposed I heard to be was, a defensive this guy guru is a too. lot like myself, but without the bad part. <laughs> <laughs> without what a the great foot way to say it. Oh my God. No, hang on. He's just thing, a wild guy. Some of the bad part you need because this team doesn't want to play with any heart. That's the thing that's really disappointing to me. Robert Sala then went on the Michael K show today and said he knows where to find me. Oh. Okay. Now the best part, Robert Sala's brother, uh-oh, David tweets this out. The only person making comparisons is you in an effort to stay relevant. Stick to podiatry and eating cheeseburgers, clown. Wow. <laughs> podiatry. <laughs> you know it gets personal when he goes after the foot fetish. Like when that, that's the second line in there. It's like, okay, is now this, we're taking it to a different level. Is this not the most New York Jets oh. headline ever? I mean, this that sounds Rex like... Rex Ryan has inserted himself into the terrible Jets team. A Jets team, by the way, that beat, that beat the Titans. <laughs> Hutton, this sounds uh, like a Dana oh. White type feud. This sounds like it Conor does. McGregor feuding it with someone. Does. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I can't wait to see but what I, happens the now. The Jets shouldn't engage him at all. <laughs> he is Sala, trying to stay. He knows relevant. where to find me. He knows where to find me. I love that. Yeah, they're going to go have a brawl in a... In a uh, they might. These two? I, I, I remember take, when the Ryan I brothers got kicked out of a bar for getting a fight here in, on Broadway in Nashville. They got arrested in a bar fight. Gonna, this is a yeah. couple of years ago. Both of them. Here's the They're going to fight Robert in Sala. a turnpike rest stop. I've yeah. never met Rex. I've never had a conversation with Rex. I don't even know him except <laughs> for people who know him throughout the league. Obviously, if it's that personal for him, he knows where to find me. That is an amazing uh, line. I'm not surprised by him. He's always got something to say. That's how he ended the comments on the Michael K. show today. I also love that... Um, like you see something so bad in football that you take it as a personal affront. Here's a, oh, this hey, is it's personal now. Rex Ryan. I watch that defense and it's personal to me. They were so Rex bad. Ryan continued on his opening statement from I don't know uh, ESPN Radio. Don't ever compare me to this Robert Sala guy. <laughs> Statistically, one time they were a top defense. Four out of five times they were dead last in their division. They're going to be dead last again. So he's going to get used to that. 
To me, I'm upset about it when I heard his background is a lot like yours. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> That's amazing. Look, I, I understand on the one hand, ESPN's excited because it's a headline for them and everything. It's pretty unbecoming for an analyst. And certain analysts would say this and they'd get in trouble. Ryan's well, he not shouldn't. one of them. He was, I mean, he's on, I just asked love about that his former it's, team. It's so Can you bad, imagine if personal. Jeff Fisher had said something about Ken Wisenhunt? <laughs> You know what? Let me get into this real quick, Jeff Fisher. Uh, that guy's team is so bad. Eight eight. It's personal to me now. Ken 8-8 eight eight is the standard for this team, and Ken oh. Wisenhut's winning two and three games. That defense is a personal affront to my manhood, and I won't stand for Von it. Von Miller debuts for the Rams. So does Odell Beckham Jr. on Monday Night Football. We'll recap it tomorrow, and a uh, fun show as well with John McClain. Join us tomorrow I'm on sure Outkick to 360. In the meantime, we won't block the box, and we will lock our locks.